0: Welcome to the CORE here on American Family Radio. Glad to be with you today on the show. Our good friend Rick Green uh, wasn't able to sit in today as he usually does each Tuesday and Thursday on the CORE. So here I am, your, uh, your host for the show today. I'm Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you today on the CORE. Uh, just a reminder before we jump into our scripture for the week. Uh, The name of the show, The Core, uh, has to do with our core values here at American Family Association. That's what we try to focus on, the core values, and news stories and topics related to those uh, here on the show. AFA, we have six core values. Religious liberty is one of those. Stewardship is another core value, sanctity of human life, morality, Marriage and family and evangelism and discipleship. That's our six core values that drive our work here at American Family Association. So glad to have you with us here on the show. Psalm chapter 26 is where we are this week. Reading a couple verses into Psalm chapter 26. Vindicate me, O Lord, says David, for I have walked in my integrity and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. And so David here, you know, in in previous chapters, David's had some some pretty rough times in his life. I mean, David has not always been able to say, for I have walked in my integrity, for I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Uh, So David hasn't always been able to say this when you read uh, all the entire book of Psalm. But here we are, chapter 26, David is at a place where he feels confident and assured to uh, reach out to the throne room and, and petition God, not only proclaiming his integrity, proclaiming his trust in the Lord, but also saying, prove me, O Lord, try me. Test my heart and my mind so, so Lord examine me and, and, and basically check, make sure that I am who I say I am. So that's David's appeal to the Lord, uh, one of boldness, courage, and confidence uh, that the Lord's work uh, was making way in the life of David. Well, I mentioned this in passing yesterday with our guest that we had on uh, yesterday, second segment with my brother Wesley, and then we had on uh, Judge Phil Ginn from Southern Evangelical Seminary. Well, in passing, I mentioned the the threat against the life of Judge Justice Brett Kavanaugh at the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, you know the rhetoric's been amped up. Roe v. Wade is in is in the crosshairs of those of us who want human beings to be able to be protected from conception all the way to natural death, and uh, a Roe v. Wade is in the balance. The Supreme Court is set to release a final opinion this month that has to be released before the end of June. And the people who like killing babies, the people who are obsessed with with uh, baby murder and baby sacrifice, uh, they have been obviously very satanically upset and driven by the potential Uh, ramifications of this court ruling that that once again the draft opinion was leaked which is by the way illegal um and against everything the supreme court has stood for for over you know 100 plus years and so here we are um with the rhetoric amped up because after all once again this is a spiritual fight and when you when you look at this through the lens of spiritual warfare then you start to—it's not so far-fetched that these folks are, are radicalized, they're evil, they're hateful, and they have no, no standard holding them back from committing evil against those they oppose. With that being said, and that being the background, we saw where yesterday, in the wee hours of yesterday morning, about 1.30 a.m., an individual that had flown from California— to Washington DC took a taxi cab to the home of justice Brett Kavanaugh one of the conservative constitutional judges on the bench on the Supreme Court took a, a taxi cab to the to the to the road to the end uh, dr- uh, of the driveway of justice Brett Kavanaugh got out of the taxi cab he spotted two US marshals standing at the end of the driveway of Justice Brett Kavanaugh. So he decided he would carry on about his business. He was uh, clearly intimidated by the law enforcement presence, which is a good thing. And he walked down the street. He walked about a block or two down the street and turned himself in. He called the emergency 911 center, confessed to traveling to the home of Brett Kavanaugh with the goal, with the intention of assassinating Brett Kavanaugh, because he doesn't like his judicial philosophy, and he was afraid that he would overturn Roe v. Wade, or at least vote to overturn it, and that he might vote to uphold the Second Amendment at a later date. So this was a political assassination attempt by a man, uh, who we won't name on the show, that uh, was going after Brett Kavanaugh. So the significance here, we can take this a couple different directions, but let me make this clear. If a justice is assassinated before a case that is pending before the court is released in a final version, if a a justice is assassinated before the Roe v. Wade, the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Center, before that case is finally released in a final form, if a justice is assassinated between the time they heard the case and the time the final opinion is released, then that opinion is null and void. It cannot be released. So if you're a radical out there, if you if you're someone who 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 likes the idea of babies being slaughtered, if you're possessed by evil, then they view this as like martyrdom. And and you can't say, well, 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 you know, no one would do that. Oh, really? So 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 we kill thousands of babies every day in the womb in the name of quote unquote women's rights, but knocking off a Supreme Justice Supreme Court justice is somehow, you know, far-fetched, or that'll never happen. These people are possessed by evil, and the Democratic Party, and we've got the clip, the Democratic Party they themselves cheer on the radicals they foster the environment of evil and aggressiveness both in a physical emotional and a spiritual sense to such an extent that they are promoting this behavior and see that this is why the January 6 investigation is a distraction all right they try to paint conservatives christians those who tend to vote Republican, they try to paint us, this group, as we're the radicals, we're the extremists, we're the domestic terrorists, but really it's them. They are the ones. It gets into this this philosophy of projecting onto others what you yourself are responsible for, and they are masters at this. That's why they have the J6 committee. That's why they're targeting Peter Navarro, knocking down doors handcuffing political opponents. Biden said last night on Jimmy Kimmel, what did he say? When questioned what he would do about Republicans who don't go along with his agenda, he said, we're going to put them in jail. No, that's not an exaggeration. He said, what are you going to do, Biden, Mr. President, if Republicans don't follow your rules? He said, we're going to put them in jail. And so that's what Peter Navarro is experiencing, former White House uh, Trump advisor, economic advisor. And so let's listen to the rhetoric of Chuck Schumer, the senator, uh, just not that long ago last year. Here's Chuck Schumer before the Supreme Court of the United States.
2: They're taking away fundamental rights. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you...
0: Go forward with these awful decisions. All right, so, so so we want to talk about Trump inciting people trespassing on the Capitol grounds on January 6th. But Schumer, the Senate majority leader, literally walks down to the Supreme Court, gets on a microphone, and threatens Justice Kavanaugh and others, and Gorsuch. Oh, Walker, this is a this was a political threat. No, 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 it wasn't, because there is no political recourse against the Supreme Court, my friends. Supreme Court justices are appointed for life, so there's no, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna uh, vote him out next term. There's none of that. There's none of that. So what whirlwind are they gonna reap? What whirlwind are they going to experience uh, from the Democrats, from uh, the Senate Majority Leader uh, Chuck Schumer there? And then the last clip we'll play is one of Jen Psaki refusing to tell people to not protest, which is a felony, by the way. It's illegal to protest and intimidate a judge outside of their home. Let's listen to Jen Psaki. She just can't come up with the words to tell them not to commit felonies.
3: These activists posted a map with the home addresses of the Supreme Court justices. Is that the kind of thing this president wants to help your side make their point?
4: Look, I think the president's view is that there's a lot of passion, a lot of fear, uh, a lot of uh, sadness from many, many people across this country about what they saw in that leaked document. Uh, We obviously want people's privacy to be respected. We want people to protest peacefully if they want to to protest that is certainly what the president's view would be.
3: so he doesn't care if they're protesting outside the Supreme Court or outside someone's private residence i,
4: I don't have an official u s government position on where people protest. I want it, we, we want it, of course to be peaceful
0: i don't have a position on where people protest hmm Well, Congress and federal code has a position which by the way. The executive branch is supposed to uphold the law of the land. What is the law of the land? It's not what the Supreme Court says, despite the fact that we get told that a lot. The law of the land is, is, is the, the, the laws that Congress passes and the president signs, including the U.S. statute that says explicitly that individuals are not to protest outside of the homes of judges or juries with the goal of intimidating them to change their opinion and it actually doesn't even caveat that you just not you are not supposed to protest outside of the home of judges or juries and here they are not only this individual which by the way I'll be interested to see if he is charged with being outside of the home of a judge or not because he clearly violated that along with the threats of bodily harm and death, which is a much more elevated charge. But we've got people outside of the homes of the justices as, as uh, last night after they arrested this guy, people came back to protest and the department of justice, including the FBI did nothing, made no arrest, made no charges. But if you dare step on U.S. Capitol grounds on January 6th, well, we're going to hunt you down. We're going to subpoena all of your bank records. We're going to come to your home. We're going to bring the SWAT team. We're going to bring 15 FBI agents, AR-15s, ballistic shields, and we're going to bust down your door in front of your family. We're going to embarrass you, humiliate you, make you pay a political price. If you're Roger Stone, 15 FBI agents in Florida, 6 AM, CNN on the scene, if you want to go and intimidate a Supreme Court justice, well, it's just political speech, it's not a problem. We can accept that the double standard has to end, the law has to be enforced.
3: God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. San Francisco Mayor London Breed announced her five-year plan to end homelessness in her city. Well, that is, transgender homelessness. I wish I was kidding. She literally announced a $6.5 million budget proposal to end homelessness within the next five years for the transgendered, the gender nonconforming, and LGBTQ plus youth in Frisco. So what about the homeless San Franciscans who don't fit any of the aforementioned categories? Any hope for them? Any recent visitors to San Francisco will tell you their streets teem with excrement, largely deposited by homeless people. Mayor Breed has shown that excrement also comes from the
2: mayor's office. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
5: This is Raising Gothic Girls Minute with Patti Garibay of American Heritage Girls. You've heard it said, you are what
2: you eat. Essentially, what you ingest is what either nourishes you or destroys you. What if I told you the words you exchange with your daughter act in the exact same way? Do you regularly call your daughter names like drama queen or pain in the butt? Words said in the midst of anger aren't always kind. Frustration can get to the best of us. But compare the amount of times your daughter is hearing negativity spoken about her to the amount of times she's affirmed. If she's hearing more negativity than positivity, it's time to check your heart. Today, I encourage you, find five opportunities to affirm your daughter, speak truth into her life, and watch her self-esteem blossom.
5: Want to learn more? Read about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com.
2: AFA at the core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the core on American family radio.
0: Welcome back to the core here on American family radio. Glad to have you with us on the show today. Well, every so often we like to have on individuals around the country that are attempting to make an impact in our culture and our society and government. And uh, one of the individuals that is running for Congress is Michael Cassidy. He's running in the fourth or the third congressional district in uh, Mississippi, my home state here in Mississippi. And we have him on now to talk about his uh, race and his runoff that's going on this month. Michael, welcome to the Corps.
3: Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, Michael, you're running for the third congressional district. You are actually in a runoff now, so you just had we just had the primary uh, um, earlier this week, actually, and now we have uh, a runoff. So, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, the district you're you're attempting to represent in Congress.
3: So, I'm an America First candidate, a, a pretty conservative guy that is challenging the current incumbent, Michael Guest. My background, I'm from uh, from Maryland in Virginia originally, uh, but I joined the Navy after September 11th, got to fly F-18s for the Navy uh, off aircraft carriers, which was uh, pretty cool. Uh, then I got stationed in Mississippi in 2016 to be an instructor pilot, and I stuck around uh, when I got off active duty um, about a year and a half ago. And I don't have any political background, but I decided to run for Congress because just like so many other people, I'm fed up with what's going on in D.C. and fed up with our politicians that uh, do not represent the interests of the American people, that do not fight uh, on their behalf. As a perfect example, the, your last segment talking about the people that are intimidating Justice Kavanaugh and other justices, that the governor of Virginia, uh, in, for a, there are a couple of these justices that are in Virginia, and the governor, who's a Republican, he refused to act to arrest any of these people that are committing crime that he he said, you know, we're coordinating with the department of justice and we're making sure that they, they should really take care of this. Mm -hmm. The base wants you to take care of it. You are the governor of Virginia. You need to fight. And that's really what the, what it boils down to that this campaign is that the person I'm running against, Mr. Guest, he's part of the status quo. He's part of the establishment. He voted for the January 6th commission. He's the only Mississippi Republican to vote for it. Mm. He's voted to give over a billion dollars to Planned Parenthood. That's the very status quo that they keep on funding Planned Parenthood with these appropriations bills. I've pledged I will never give a dime to Planned Parenthood that I'll stand up and fight and that's the if you want somebody who's status quo, if you think that the current uh, current path of our nation is on the right path, well you're probably voting for my incumbent For the incumbent. If you think that uh, we need to have somebody who's going to fight, who's going to stand up on America First principles, who's going to fight for election integrity, who's going to fight to get the leftism out of our schools, get the leftism out of our military, then you're going to vote for me, Michael Cassidy. Mm -hmm. And the uh, the primary runoff is on June 28th. So we're fighting hard. Uh, It's a, uh, it's good. We got the most votes in the in the first election, and I'm confident that as we continue to get our message out. That we're gonna uh, we're gonna do quite well on June 28th.
0: You know, Michael, what's what's ironic is historically incumbency has been a benefit. In- incumbency has been a benefit, but Michael, in this in this in this climate that we're in, and this is really a good thing. Incumbency is really a thorn in the side of those who have the little "I" beside their name on the ballot, because Michael, so much has gone wrong in Washington D.C. in recent decades, not just recent days. I'm talking recent decades Mm -hmm. under both R's and D's, and I talk about this on my show all the time. There's problems with Republicans and Democrats, and there's there's obviously some good people and some bad people in Washington, D.C., probably more bad than good. That's for certain. Uh, But 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 incumbency used to be, you know, a a boon in in ones, uh, you know, in their in their arsenal. But it's really not that not that much to be proud of anymore
3: yeah that's something that you know if you if you've had a, got a good record, uh then perhaps incumbency is a good thing uh-huh. but if you've taken a lot of the votes that most of these people have, many of these people have, then that's a uh, you know that's a burden that they have to bear and just like you said, it's not just the Democrats you know the Democrats they're going to be the Democrats unfortunately but um that's a little bit of an overstatement, but in general it's true um, but what we really have to take care of And what the people of the third district have been doing is they've realized that it's not just being uh, that we can't just focus on the Democrats. We have to focus on the Republican Party and we have to focus on making our Republican Party stronger by electing better Republicans to represent us. That we shouldn't have a district that is as conservative as the Mississippi third sending somebody to Washington, D.C. that is going to vote to give Federal taxpayer dollars to the nation's largest abortion provider, and this is something that has been tolerated, that has been—it's uh, been going on for uh, decades. And we've seen a complete momentum shift mm-hmm. in what looks like we hope Roe v. Wade actually being overturned. We have seen in this most recent primary between me and my opponent. Me getting the most votes and looking pretty good for this runoff because the voters, when they hear that I pledge that I'm not going to give any money to Planned Parenthood, they say, you know what, I'm going to vote for Cassidy. Mm. That sounds pretty good. We don't want any money going to Planned Parenthood to kill the unborn. They can't stand up for themselves, so we need a representative in Congress who will stand up and say, no money, do not put it in the bill.
0: Mm. Hey, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the core, telling us a little bit about yourself, about your background and the fact that you're running for the 3rd Congressional District uh, seat there in here in Mississippi, and that runoff is on June 28th. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, that's Michael Cassidy, and he's running for the 3rd District in Mississippi, and he's in a runoff against incumbent uh, Michael Guest. That's the incumbent there, and so uh, Michael Cassidy is running against incumbent Michael Guest. That runoff date here in the 3rd District in Mississippi, is on June 28th. And I've got this story that I came across on uh, American Family News, AFN.net. That's our news service here, by the way. We do have a news service here at American Family Association to counter uh, the lies and the fake narratives out there from many of the mainstream media conglomerates. And uh, the the headline here is, Bad News for Incumbents. And it goes through some of these races, uh, two of them in Mississippi. Uh, where where the incumbency is not uh, the incumbent is not doing well in these races, um, uh, oftentimes because their record uh, is not good and voters are just fed up with it. Voters want people who are going to represent their district and not represent the interest of people and and entities outside of their district. Uh, so that uh, article's up on afn.net. We'll also publish a link to it on our podcast page. On the core podcast page at afr dot net. Well, moving into some of the other stories, I wanted to get to. You know, you know this energy energy topic. I told Bobby this morning. Uh, this energy topic is just very fascinating, and I, and I believe very important. And you say, well, you know, Walker, why do you care so much about the energy topic? Well, here recently, folks, uh, this is this is a big national security threat that has the 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 the, uh, the uh, ability to affect all of us, all right? All of us, we all use energy. We all consume energy. And whether it's, you know, filling up your your car full of gasoline or diesel or running your, you know, your your power at your home, cooling your home with an air conditioner, watching television, uh, charging your little smart device, working on a computer. I mean, everything we do, virtually everything we do, requires energy even you know mowing the yard you gotta you gotta power up you've got to uh put gas in the mower and, and 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 crank it and and refill it and go to the gas station to get more so we all use energy all of our goods and services are delivered with energy you know the the groceries don't just show up on the shelf by themselves uh they're delivered through uh, uh, uh through truck our tractor trailer some people call it They're delivered from different distribution centers and farms, and then they end up on the grocery shelf. And so I could go on and on about all the ways that we use energy uh, to supply our daily needs, uh, the vast majority of which are daily necessities. And so that's why this energy topic really is so important to me with the Biden administration and their war on energy, uh, because I just don't want this country. You know, we talk about being good stewards and, and caring for others. I don't want to see this country have an energy crisis beyond we're already having one now, but this doesn't need to get worse, folks. This does not need to get worse because it it can have deadly consequences. And I'm not exaggerating. During the 2021 freeze in Texas, the ice storm there, uh, 200 people died because Texas couldn't keep the lights on. Their grid failed, failed miserably. The windmills and the solar panels couldn't keep up, and there were other issues as well, and so 200 people died as a direct result of the energy failure, the freezing temperatures in Texas in 2021. So we don't need that to continue happening, and it affects each and every one of us. So uh, Biden has got this complete war on energy, and it's absolutely terrible. So in order to to close out this this. Narrative that I opened yesterday about CO2 emissions being bad for the planet—they're, you know, people call them pollutants. Uh, cars and CO2—they're not—they're not polluting the, the the world. All right, CO2 is a critical component uh, to our planet, and I'm not the one saying that. NASA, yes, NASA put out this data sheet uh, last year in 2021, and every year they release a satellite image of the entire earth and they 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 release data on how green the planet is meaning how how um how uh, f- uh lavish or how uh, green from a vegetation standpoint how green and a- from a vegetation standpoint the planet is each year and so that you know the rating goes up and down and some years are a little more uh, there's droughts and there's less vegetation other years are more prosperous well Listen to this report from NASA and their vegetation index. This is measured by satellites. Our lives depend upon plants and trees, says NASA. They feed us and give us clothes. They absorb carbon dioxide and give off oxygen that we need to breathe. Plants even provide many of our medicines and building materials. So when the plants and trees around us change, these changes can affect our health, our environment, and our economy. For these reasons and more, scientists monitor, monitor plant life around the world. Today, scientists use NASA satellites to map the greenness, in quotes, of all Earth's lands. These vegetation index maps show where and how much green leaf vegetation was growing and for the time period uh, shown. So jumping on down to the, what, what the results were. Well, the reser- results were that a uh, green vegetation is on the rise. In, on our planet, and show, it, it showed about uh, 10% gain in green vegetation in just over 20 years uh, for planet Earth. Let's see, the Sahara Desert, all right, so this is typically a very dry place, no vegetation, little vegetation. Well, the Sahara Desert, according to NASA, is becoming smaller, so vegetation is growing in and around the Sahara Desert. Uh 2018 study by a group found that the Sahara desert had shrunk in uh, around 8% over the previous 3 uh decades. So all that to say that NASA is you know they're talking about uh all this vegetation and how it's great for our planet, but what they leave out is that the reason, one of the reasons that 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 our earth is so healthy and lush with vegetation is because of all the CO2 is because all the CO2 is fueling the plants and these and these massive you know land masses with CO2, which is basically food for plants. and then as a result our, our planet is becoming more green uh, by the days. So the, 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 the narrative that CO2 is an evil you know chemical or molecule and it's bad for our planet that's just not true And it's actually can end up proving dangerous. Uh, Far the Earth, if we if we continue this war on fossil fuels and this war on CO2, well, you want to know where all of our oil is going. Speaking of oil, the Biden administration not only have they paused all new leases from um, from uh, federal lands, uh, they've paused those completely, but they're also releasing our strategic supply. And I found out today that China is one of the countries that's buying oil from our strategic release. So so you think, well, okay, Biden's releasing this oil from our strategic supply, so that's going to go to American citizens and the American economy and we're going to kind of, you know, level this thing out. No, China and India are buying oil from our strategic reserve that is meant for wartime. Well, let's let's flash back a couple years. Let's listen to General Motors, a uh, former General Motors CEO, When questioned about what is powering the electric vehicles. Clip one.
2: The battery in this particular design is a T shape right down the center and across the back seat area. Because everybody thought we killed the electric vehicle.
5: No, we didn't. It's alive and well.
0: So what's charging the, the batteries right now? What
2: where where's what's the source of a, well, electricity? Well here it's, it's coming from the building. I mean is it um what's our mix of power? Ah, oh actually Lansing feeds the building. What's that? Lansing feeds power to the building. So I don't I don't know
6: they're uh,
2: I bet you they're a bit of coal. Oh, they're heavy on natural gas, aren't
3: they? Right now the car's
4: charging off of your grid.
2: Right. Well, it would be charging off uh our grid, which is nine about ninety five percent
0: Oh, there you have it. That's a flashback, right?
2: Not 95%.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he said 95%, uh, maybe more. Folks, here's the reality. And that's coming from the GM CEO and actually the local power manager there in Lansing, Michigan. When questioned on what's what's charging, what's giving the energy to the electric vehicle? Oh, natural gas. eh, Although it can in lansing michigan 95 percent of their power battering uh, powering the teslas powering the electric vehicles it's coal they've got to have the dirty coal i'm tongue in cheek there they got to have the coal to power the electric vehicle so folks to think that we're gonna abandon coal natural gas and oil for windmills and solar panels that is a joke and it will lead to suffering of the American people. Be back in a few.
2: Law enforcement officers are the thin blue line protecting us from total anarchy. It only makes sense that those who despise law and order would detest officers and work to remove them from the picture. Will you join us this Sunday, June 12th, for a day of prayer and appreciation for law enforcement? Let's make it an intentional movement across America to pray for and encourage our LEOs in our churches, on social media, and in person. For details and resources, please visit afa.net. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values.
5: Persecuted Christians, they love their enemies and they count it all joy to suffer for the Lord Jesus, but they need your help today. This is Bible League International, and in the Middle East one day, radicals showed up and burned down the house of Nora, nearly killing her and her four daughters, the youngest of which, four years of age, maimed for life with serious burns all over her body. You know what her crime is? Simply that Nora has been leading Arabic-speaking women to Christ, and they need Bibles there in the Middle East. And in Venezuela, a church has been rescuing women, some as young as 12, kidnapped and forced into prostitution. Constitution by the drug cartel. They have paid dearly. In fact, one of the members was killed. His corpse pulled behind a truck. But I can tell you, this group, even though they're persecuted, is focused on pointing these women to the hope of the gospel. They need Bibles. Bible League is sending God's Word to 16,000 persecuted believers. were halfway there. We need to wrap up by the end of June. So at five dollars a Bible, a hundred dollars sends twenty. Would you call 800? Yes word. 800. Yes word. 800. Yes word. Or give it sendbiblesnow dot Sendbiblesnow org
2: afa at the core podcast are available at afr.net back to afa at the core on american family radio
0: welcome back to the core here on american family radio hey we're going to take your calls this last segment 888-589-8840 888 589 40. We'll be glad to take your calls, comments, questions about the topics we've discussed on the show today. 888 589 8840 We'll be glad to take your calls. 888 589 8840 is the number to call in to the core. Well, a few other stories I want to get to before we jump to the to the call lines is I covered the Louisiana Bill, the Louisiana legislation that is aimed and was aimed at. Uh, protecting women's sports and preventing men from crossing over unfairly and competing against women and stealing their trophies and their scholarships. Well, you and I covered it on the show. We interviewed a guest from Louisiana, and that bill is now law. The Fairness in Women's Sports Act that passed the Republican-led state legislature and became law after Democrat Governor John Bell Edwards agreed to neither approve nor veto the bill, so he let it sit on his desk which i guess in louisiana means that the bill becomes law if the governor refuses to take one action or the other on the legislation uh it automatically becomes law so that happened in louisiana and so good for the folks in louisiana protecting women's sports and protecting and shielding god's design for human sexuality god's design for his creation and human sexuality so good for them uh, there in the state of louisiana well uh this story um is seems harmless but there's an underlying goal here an agenda here this is a time magazine uh piece that was published recently and here here's the basic uh well here here's the title of it america needs to end its love affair with single family homes one town is discovering it's a tough Sell. End quote. So that's the title, and you go, okay, interesting. Let's read that. Well, folks, the the, the underlying narrative and the underlying agenda is to demonize home ownership. Is to demonize home ownership, and and paint it as a bad thing, and and we need to shift away from that, and we need to do this, you know, community housing, shared housing, apartments, condos, etc., where there's no private property ownership. And that's the narrative. Well, there's 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 a major problem with that. Private property was one of the fundamental principles in the founding of America. The idea that you and I, average people, average Americans can 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 buy and sell property back and forth and we can actually own something, something can be under our name, we can pass it on to our kids, uh, we can donate it to our church. I mean this this idea of private property has made america prosper and so to think that we're going to ditch private property and then everything's going to work out great uh, that's completely not true and you want to see what a nation looks like without private property you go over to china and other places where nobody owns anything there's no meaning no purpose to life you're just an asset for the government it's a very very dark place to be and we don't ever need to be there in this country and uh you know time magazine's not the only one saying it um someone put it a little more bluntly this is trudeau's uh, justice minister uh david lametti uh up in canada listen to him he just said flat out that we shouldn't have property owner private property ownership clip four
1: well look we'll uh we'll obviously uh tailor uh, the provisions so that uh so that um uh, it could withstand a, a court challenge. You don't have uh, an absolute right to own private property uh, in Canada. Um, it is uh, – there, uh, there are steps that are taken when expropriations happen at, at whatever level of government.
0: All right. No need for private property ownership, according to uh, the Canadian Justice Minister. Well, they obviously don't believe what we do. We absolutely need private property and proper property ownership in this country. It's good for the country. It's good for the human and good for uh, the future of this country. 888-589-8840, 589 8840 is the number to call in to the core. We'll be glad to take your comments and your questions. We'll go down to Louisiana and talk to Scott on the core. Scott, welcome to the show.
4: Well, thanks for taking my call Walker. Absolutely. Um, I just want to. Actually, I was chomping at the bit yesterday, couldn't get in on Bishop Jackson's program, so uh, you get my comment today. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Authoritarianism is the religion of the new left. And it's, you're seeing, you know, the global, uh, the whole global uh, situation, it's just the darkness closing in. Now, I know the victory is ours as as believers in Christ, but it's, we're seeing what what's going to happen it's Mm. all being set up it's all coming together i'm not a doomsday guy i don't know when the lord's going to come back i don't know when the antichrist is going to step into his place but it's all coming into place these people are self-deceived uh and and they want power they want control and so it's not like the king who wants the the love and (laughs) obedience of his subjects because he's a great king Mm. it's the the ruling authority that doesn't care about the subject's they just going to be in power. Hmm. And I see that happening, and, and that control and that power is their God. And I see Pelosi and these others uh, falling into the trap of thinking that they're serving some kind of higher power, which hmm. they are. Unfortunately, it's not God. And they're going to get to that place where things are going to be set up on a world stage. Maybe not them. Maybe, maybe it'll be, you know, 50, 100, 300 years from now. But someone's going to step on the stage. They're going to say— Look what we've done. we've got it already, and, and whoever that is to say, "Hey, that's a great job. Guys, take them out back. Take mm. care of them." Yeah and that's my comment.
0: Absolutely, Scott. Thank you so much for the call. A lot of wisdom there. And you're right, you know this this is the, the left has their religion. The people who who crave for power, who crave for authority, who crave for a totalitarian type role, um, they're deceived. They're deceived. They clearly have no respect for God, no respect for his principles, no respect for his creation and his created order and how government was intended and set up by God for good. Government was set up for good, not for evil, for good, and we have people using their positions of power and influence for evil purposes in this country and around the world, and they're absolutely deceived, and you're right. You know, you read Revelation and you look at where we are today, uh, there are tendencies— and behaviors and patterns uh, that do look very much like what we read in Revelation. And to your point, uh, uh, Scripture says that none of us will know, you know, when Jesus is going to return, and we shouldn't try to be, you know, the wise one that guesses it because that's unbiblical. Our calling as Christians is to be faithful and obedient to the Word of God, to be salt and light, to love our family, disciple our children contribute to society and our country and our our local church. So that calling doesn't change no matter our circumstance, Uh, but it is very interesting uh, to keep an eye on what's going on in our society and how Scripture addresses these things, and we definitely need to keep our eyes open and be sober-minded for sure. Thanks so much, Scott, for calling from Louisiana. Uh, Let's go to Norman in uh, Mississippi. Norman, thanks for calling the
6: show uh good afternoon yes uh i'm i'm a little bit confused about uh some of the things that, that 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 come across especially uh on this particular station i understand that democrats are much further down the road in terms of uh, being i mean no more I understand that. But Republicans are well on their way behind them. And I'm, what I'm talking about is politicians. I'm, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about politicians. Uh, I'm looking at this country. Of all the seats of power in this country, the Supreme Court, the Senate, the House, all of them are okay with the gay lifestyle, gay marriage, they're all okay with it. Mm. But when they run for office, they want to talk about God and morals and everything else. But it doesn't mean anything. Mm. So, I mean, you know, you get to the place where you want to just lump them all in the same basket. Uh, because they what they say may be a little different. What they do is the same thing. And people are just sick of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just uh, politicians in America have gotten to the place that they are almost like vultures, mm. and and so I, but people suffer. They don't do anything about it. Uh, they're not willing. And, and no matter what happens, if 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 you're with my party, I'm going to defend it. Even though I say I'm a Christian, but I will lie to defend it. Hmm. Well, I, I just I don't know where we're headed with this man, yep. and and we need to quit equating the Constitution with the Scripture. The the Scripture have the power to save a soul. The Constitution does not have that power.
0: Hmm. Absolutely, thanks, Norman. Appreciate you calling in, brother, and sharing your heart. You know, a lot of people uh, sympathize with you, uh, Norman, and you know God set up government, all right. So I heard recently, I heard a speaker completely disagreed with him, but he said, you know, government. He said he said this exact quote. He said government is inherently evil. And this this was a, this was someone who would tell you they're a Christian, and I probably agree with him on 99 percent of the issues. But you know, he said he said made this statement. You know, government is inherently evil. Well, that's just unbiblical. That's not true. Government, uh, no institution uh, that that God has set up can be inherently evil. God set up a government, so clearly government can be used and should be used, according to Scripture, for, 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 for virtuous, biblical, righteous purposes. But what Norman, uh, the frustration that Norman has and many of us have is that corrupt and evil people are using the institution, the God-ordained institution of government, for uh, evil, And you see this, God set up the family, but there are also broken families. And there are men and women uh, that that don't treat their family right. Then they do evil things within their family and against their family. That doesn't mean the family institution is inherently evil or bad. That means that we have sinners that are not obeying God's word. And so the same thing uh, with government. But, you know, uh, Norman, uh, this country has a long way to go. Uh, in order to restore a sense of respect and a res- a sense of trust in the institution called government, uh, and that's not because of anything you and I've done, uh, but the people that are in positions of power, some of them uh, have just lost trust, and that's on them. That's not on us. Uh, but we're called to be faithful. We're called to be um, engaged, and 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 of course, it goes without saying. Uh, what you said, uh, that the Constitution is not the Bible, and I don't know anyone, at least I don't know any Christian, that has claimed such. Uh, So Scripture is inherent. Scripture is God's Word. Uh, Scripture is the overarching authority over all of humanity, no matter which uh, country you live in, whether you have a Constitution, whether you have no laws, whether you have a civil government, whether you have anarchy. It doesn't matter. God's Word applies to all of humanity, For the Christian that happens to be born, happens to live in this nation out of all of human history, for the Christian who happens to live in this nation, the United States of America, we do, thankfully, have a guiding document that was formed by our founding fathers with the goal of promoting Christian biblical values and principles over this nation— in order to protect human rights and protect individual rights and religious liberty and individual liberty. So we should be thankful for that as believers who live in this land at this time, and we should respect that document that was formed by many Christians, uh, and we should use that to protect the good of our neighbors in this country. But it's not Scripture, and we should never claim that it is. Moving into... Uh the state of Florida will make this real quick. Uh, Michael, you got about 1 minute. What's on your mind?
1: Yeah, in the Bible I know that uh you know Jesus just uh, God destroyed the earth with flood the first time around. They had it right when they say global warming because the next time he destroys it it will be by fire. The original comment I wanted to make is that I live in Florida and if we had all these windmills and solar panels and stuff like that. And we had one good storm come through and
3: knock them all out. We'd be in big trouble because we have a lot of retirees and older
6: people that live down here, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. And many people have to have energy and electricity uh, to live. I mean, all these hospital systems that are run off electricity, uh, a lot of people's uh, home medical equipment, are um, run off of off of electricity so very good point Michael appreciate you calling in uh, to the core you know energy ha- ha- has fueled the rise of America I mean you look back to the creation of a uh, electricity uh the innovation of electricity and how it's just caused this nation to boom not only from an economic standpoint although that's important but from a quality of life standpoint It's absolutely amazing. And so, you know, uh, some people say if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, electricity ain't broke. All right. The coal, the natural gas, the fossil fuels that have made this country the best country on this planet. We shouldn't throw those forms of energy in the trash thinking that we got something new, something novel. That's going to take us into the future. AFA at the core. We'll be back next time.
2: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.